Welcome to The Missing Link, a podcast where crypto and insurance come together. I'm Dan Roberts, and my co-host is Danielle Wall-Elliott. Whether you're in crypto, traditional finance, or in need of a new podcast, The Missing Link will help you explore the vital role that insurance plays in crypto and how blockchain will disrupt insurance. Join us on our journey to find The Missing Link. Hello, a fantastic uh, Missing Link podcast uh, this week with uh, Sebastian from Chainproof and Quantstamp. Uh, he speaks about the woes in the early days with uh, all these bank robberies, online bank robberies, starting with the Dow hack, uh, getting him involved in the space uh, and the rest is history. Um, the work and education that him and uh, his colleagues have done around uh, bringing the incumbents up to speed. Uh, there seems to be a lot more going on there now because of that. Uh, he speaks about the lack of regulation around auditing. Uh, you can't technically pass an audit. It's an ongoing process. Um, and of course, he gives his thoughts on a few missing links. The main one uh, he says is controversial, but I would agree. Um, he is a fascinating, uh, very uh, well-experienced individual that we're happy to have in this space. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. We're in for a treat today with the next episode of The Missing Link. Uh, Sebastian is here representing both Chainproof and Quantstamp. So um, we're excited to talk about the offering um, from both of those. Um, you know, Chainproof's offering of insurance to the smart contract economy um, and the Quantstamp, you know, doing the nice audited smart contracts. Uh, Names is a partner uh, with both of those entities. Um, and so we're excited to kind of discuss this opportunity within the smart contract uh, ecosystem um, and practice what we preach, especially with insurance and, you know, being an audited uh, crypto smart contract uh, platform um, and, you know, understand that we are promoting a more mature ecosystem. Um, so welcome, Sebastian and, and Dan. I think you'll introduce them more fully here. That's right. Yeah, Sebastian, it's great to have you. Um it's uh, this is the the part where I explain how relevant and important you are to the space. <laughs> uh, so, as a you know, by, by means of introduction, um, Sebastian is the CEO of Chainproof Digital Asset Insurance, uh, the world's first regulated insurer for non-custodial smart contracts, um, a global leader in Web three security. Uh, and uh, you used to be the managing director, or you are the managing di director, sorry, of, of Quantstamp in Germany. Um, you hold a PhD in computer science from the Technical University of Munich, uh, where you focused on software protection, um, all wildly relevant. Uh, before joining Quantstamp, uh, it sounded like you worked as a security specialist at BMW, Philips, Deloitte. So you, you've certainly had your, um, you've done your time at some larger uh, corporates it would be great to hear about some of those journeys, how they led you to the the world of uh, of digital assets and insurance and and all all of those things. Um, yeah, I think I speak for everyone uh, in our network when I say that we're very grateful to have you joining the the problem solving that's going on in this space. It's certainly um, no small uh, problem to solve and no small opportunity for um, you know for the space to really uh, embrace with open arms. And you know we really love the approach that. Quantstamp and uh, and you know the affiliate with uh, with Chainproof you know bringing um, yeah it feels like it's been a, a wild uh, twelve months the, the sort of sort of settling feeling that's going on in the moment I uh, thought I'd start by asking how are things how are you uh, how are you guys feeling over on your end uh, in this um, nice sunny August yeah hey hey Daniel hey Dan thanks a lot for having me thanks 
for the great intro. Um, we're feeling pretty well, you know, like, um, I feel like things are picking up, you know, uh, looking good. So indeed it's been quite uneventful. I guess like it's 15 months now, you know, starting with the, the Terra crash. Yeah. I felt like that was when it all started <laughs> yep. last year. It was right, you know, around the time when we got our license from the BMA officially issued and um thank you yeah and and uh well it was like uh, the the sandbox license you know and and uh we we really felt uh last year was a, a difficult year you know like many customers potential customers that uh, we were talking to um were affected both by the terror crash, but any uh, uh, all of the dominoes that came afterwards, right? Like, you know, it was like Three Arrows Capital, Celsius, mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of others. And in November, you know, the big one fell, mm -hmm. like FTX, right? Mm -hmm. That was really, you know, the the cherry on top. You know, <laughs> nice so, juicy cherry. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what exactly. state were? What, you know, was Constantin during that time, which has obviously been around for a lot longer. What state was yeah. chain proof in, you know, at these different stages? And, you know, what, what was right. your, you know, headspace at the time? How involved were you in those kinds of events? So, like, Constant, um actually was in a great position. Uh, we closed our Series A right before the Terra crash. So it was like just a, freshly minted unicorn, you know, <laughs> and um, was in a great position. So no, no worries about that part, you know, um, it was actually getting a lot of audits, even after the Terra crash. Um, Chainproof, on the other hand, was just starting up, right. And our target was institutional customers quite different from uh quantstamp like quantstamp can can take any kind of customer crypto native uh most of them you know and and also institutions sometimes but with chainproof we went the regulated route so not not building a you know unregulated coverage provider but like a regulated uh insurance provider for uh defi risks and we knew from the get-go you know this is going to be um or it's not going to be something that crypto natives want to buy right it's it's too much of an overhead so we we purely focused on b2b and institutions and and we did see institutions getting scared by what was happening in the space last year so yeah it was quite uh a difficult year but i i would say like starting at the beginning of this year um things took uh, a turn and we've been seeing more and more interest um, from, you know, businesses in buying insurance for various uh, reasons. Yeah, we all know it's yeah, no, a risky industry to be in already, but then to see those risks become reality, you know, over, like you're mentioning over the last 15 months, it's definitely been a, you know, a nod to the insurance industry of of what what's so powerful that we can provide, you know, in this in this risky early days of crypto. Yeah, we uh, we love talking about the kind of two, you know, areas that you span. It's insurance and digital assets, and uh, you know they don't have to have 
uh, any overlap at all uh, in most conversations, but in ours, that, that's the full overlap. And so never a dull day, <laughs> particularly last year. Uh, you know, glad to hear you're seeing things settling. You know, on the note of those two, uh, you know, categories, uh, what we like to do pretty early on is just give the audience a sense of, um, you know, where your expertise sits uh, and how that's grown over time with a kind of quick fire where you would mark yourself uh, one to ten. We've had other <laughs> guests say like, well, if Vitalik is a ten, I was like, oh, OK, I like that scale. I'll put him up there. <laughs> I, you know, I think the context is, um, you know, we love speaking to insurance professionals that are starting to learn about the different types of crypto risk and bringing that expertise into the space uh, and vice versa. People who have a very deep knowledge of crypto, but maybe uh, are learning about how insurance plays within that space. So just a just a sense of how you you might see yourself. We're not we're not going to judge you for being, uh, you know, overly. <laughs> confident in, in any of them, but it's a, a nice balance to see what sort of guests we have. Got it. Yeah, I guess like if if we're talking about yeah, mostly people who are specializing in insurance and starting in Web three, I, I would I would definitely rate myself as a ten. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about Vitalik being a ten, then I would not rate myself as a ten. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think that leads nicely into you know maybe you could tell us more about your journey. Um, you know, Dan mentioned yeah. a few big name companies that you worked at, you know, before, obviously you're um, very scholarly and, and having your PhD in computer science. So can you just tell us about your journey? Like what made you want to get into this Web3 space um, and then yeah. you know, how, how you joined as CEO of, of Chainproof now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the journey um, starts somewhere around the DAO hack, right? I, I remember I was on a on a train ride from work to home when the DAO hack was happening, you know, um, and I was pretty shocked um, about how easy, you know, like someone that could be anywhere in the world, right? It, it was even like difficult to trace. It took years for people to trace down who the hacker was. Um, it was so easy, you know, someone sitting in front of a computer can just look at this code, which was open source, find the bug, exploit it and get away with like at the time it was 50 around 50 million worth of ether, which is now way more. Right. But like uh, it was jarring. You know, I was thinking, wow, you know, in in um, hacker circles or just as kids, you know, people were just um just just joking about oh how would it be if you know what would you do if you won the lottery what would you do if uh you robbed the bank right and this was robbing a bank you know online yeah. and um and it's much like at the time it seemed like way less risky because you weren't going physically into the bank you know so uh, and then you didn't have the cops chasing you right so yeah. it was a different sort of thing right and that were, that's where it started. You know, I was already in security for many years and um, started looking into it. And then I was lucky enough that one of the advisors, early advisors of Quantstamp, uh, was my second supervisor uh, for the PhD. And he introduced me to, to Quantstamp. And I, you know, like immediately fell in love with the team, right? I, I quit my corporate job and uh, decided to jump in uh, into crypto full-time 
So at the time, people were calling me crazy, you know, like, oh, my God, you're just like, you're, you're quitting a full-time corporate job, which many people would consider their dream job, you know, like, there's so many people who retire from that job, you know, and, and they're happy. Um, especially, you know, because I'm based in Munich and BMW is based also in Munich. So it's it's sort of like where many people gravitate gravitate to. Um, and then I was going to a startup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of benefits, right? But but like um you know, there's there's also things that I didn't, I, I personally didn't like about my job, right? So, uh, coming in crypto and seeing such a innovative and fast moving space was just like for me. Ha having done my PhD, it was like, oh, okay, I, I want to go there, right? So this is where I would feel um, happy with what I'm doing, mm -hmm. right? And I started um, at Quantstamp in 2018 as a Solidity developer. And I was building actually something which internally, you know, it was never launched officially, but we built like a um, insurance, you know, crypto native cover sort of thing, right? And we tested it and we figured out, oh, this could be pretty interesting if we launched it, right? But due to regulatory, um, fears, you know, we never launched it, but it was really well built, well tested together with, I think, seven other colleagues from Quantstamp. Mm. So we put quite some effort into it, but but we didn't want to just, you know, have that as a wasted effort. So afterwards, we started talking to insurance companies and telling them like, hey, Quantstamp has this great expertise in assessing risks for smart contracts. And we also, you know, we were dabbling with insurance, right? And uh, we wanted to convince insurance companies to, you know, put capacity behind us, right? Behind, you know, the, the Quantstamp risk assessment. And um, they were way too scared and, and didn't understand this, right? At the time, uh, I remember I was talking to insurance companies and showing them, uh, if you know, uh, this website called DeFi Score, I think, mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, and the total value locked in DeFi was under a billion. You know, it had never gone over a billion. Mm -hmm. And I was telling people like, this is going to be like hundreds of billions in a few years. And people were like, ah, no way, you know, forget <laughs> about it. You know, like, it's never going to be like hundreds of billions and whatever. And um, yeah, we did. We weren't successful convincing uh, insurance companies until 2021 uh, when we found Sampo and uh, Sampo was, was really into it. We were talking to the right people there and um, we were lucky to, to, you know, like have them support us um, with, with um, an initial investment. And uh, we also, at the same time in parallel, we were also talking to Munich Re. And Munich Re, they, we, we had a very long relationship with them. We were doing due diligence, technical due diligence. And at some point they said, okay, guys, you know, we think you guys know how to do risk assessment for smart contracts. Mm -hmm. The only missing piece is an insurance company. You know, we need to find a primary insurance carrier, which is willing to take on this risk. So at the time we were like, okay, now we have Sampo, we have Munich Re, but like Sampo wasn't um, prepared to just write this directly on their own paper. Mm -hmm. So we decided to do something like a joint venture between Quantstamp and Sampo. 
And that's how Chainproof was born. And we incorporated in Bermuda at the recommendation of Sampo. And we started working on our business process. So, uh, sorry, business plan for the application. Um, and then fast forward about six, eight months, we got our license. Yeah. yeah just a quick uh, backup before the Sampo and Munich Re engagements, you were speaking to insurance companies to convince them. Was there a feeling like they really wanted to understand it, but didn't, or that they did understand it, but didn't like the risk or just didn't want to know <laughs> what was the mix there? I think all, all of that, you know, like I felt like there were some people that had already made up their mind that crypto is bad. There were some people who were thinking like, oh, these guys are so young. They have no idea what they're doing. They won't want to insure the price of Bitcoin. Uh, no, <laughs> like, was no, we got that a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and there yeah, were people... Have, we, should, we should issue a statement. No one is trying to insure well, the price of Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> they're uh, they're yeah. hedging products. That's a classic. Yeah. That's a classic one. Yeah, I got, got that so many times. And then there were people who were willing to learn... But then they were too afraid somehow, you know, they were like, oh, I would learn this if it were, if it were coming from a very trusted source, but mm -hmm. like you guys could tell me anything to convince me to, you know, take my money sort of. Right. And, and there were just very few, you know, like we really needed a, a strong recommendation from the inside. You know, I was lucky that, um, one of my friends, uh, shout out to Siegfried from Munich Re, uh, who I was, uh, you know, like I was friends with him during our PhD and we did our, our PhD in, at, at a similar time at different universities on similar topics. And we knew each other, you know, like um, he recommended me to speak to someone from the Munich Re team, right? He was in Munich Re a very trusted person and he just made a recommendation, right? And that went, I, I felt like a long way, you know, yeah. because we had spoken to, to Munich Re a lot of times before, but just not maybe with the right person or, you know, we, they didn't trust us because we didn't have an internal recommendation. So, yeah, um, I think that's yeah. the, you know, that's a big process here is that, you know, with any kind of enterprise uh, interaction, you know, these large corporations, particularly with a new, um, and you add on the risk uh, element to this whole space, you know, firstly, you have to get in touch with the right person, which can take some time. Then they have to build up their own, um, you know, their own consensus on what stance they're going to take, uh, independent of you. They've just been introduced it. Perhaps they've been introduced it, um, you know, indirectly through you. And then you have some individuals, maybe some of the younger uh you know recruits uh, that are driving their own career within these large institutions uh that are building up a, a thesis on why this kind of thing should be taken seriously by more senior management and then you get more buy-in there uh they start you know what we've seen with some uh, particularly the, you know some of these brokers they start you know hiring very decent digital asset teams um again all with these kinds of businesses as the um, type of companies that they want to engage with, but you almost have to, um, you know, wait and educate and hope that they can build their own individual um, 
thesis and you know that's much more powerful it's like we want to do this because we see an opportunity instead of you being convinced by a, a scrappy startup to uh, you know that this is a big opportunity so yeah. you know you guys have yeah. done you know we, we've we've spent a lot of time you know in that world and and you guys have done a lot of that effort as well which uh you know we're very grateful for um because yeah you then start to see that education paying off and these companies you know, I wouldn't say they can move quickly, but they can move at scale, uh, and they can move with a, you know, a, a high level of talk, um, you know, in the right sorts of directions, and and can really embrace some of these, you know, more, um, you know, more developed, sophisticated solutions. So it's ha hats off to you. I I was thinking we should have these. Maybe we shouldn't have these like cheesy radio sounds every time someone says they leave their corporate job and come to the. <laughs> Come to the, come to the world. We should, yeah, exactly. Some some audience audience and uh, audience cheer. Um, but yeah, it's the same with uh, you know shout outs to these individuals that can make these kinds of introductions because yeah, if you take a long view, uh, then it's very very exciting uh, what we're seeing. Some of these larger companies, you know, really leaning in. Um, and so yeah, that's that's really great to hear. Um, you know, something I'm very keen to. Uh, you know, to highlight and, you know, perhaps you can expand on how you guys are seeing the interaction between Constamp and Chainproof is, um, you know, just a pioneering in the digital asset space of kind of preventative security type uh, approach versus, you know, insurance uh, reactive approach and how those two, you know, work in tandem. It's a great kind of interplay of uh, value propositions that can bring more peace of mind. Um, and also, you know, I think Danielle will dive more into this, just, you know, what we've experienced firsthand is how, you, you know, you, you are able to put your money where your mouth is. Um, you know, you're able to back products and secure them and then take the risk that's left left over. Um, so yeah, perhaps you can expand on, um, you know, a, a little beyond the kind of Sampo and Munich repiece of how Chainproof came to be and how Constamp and Chainproof work together and, and how useful that's that's turning out to be for clients. Yeah, totally. So that is something that we've been hearing from Constamp customers, um, I think, from inception, right? Everyone was asking, is there anything like insurance that we can buy after an audit, right? And this started happening more and more as uh, people saw projects that got, you know, various audits from various, you know, top tier auditing companies that got hacked, right? And um, we thought, okay, you know, like we can just build some crypto native thing that um, offers some kind of cover, but we don't want to get in trouble, right? On the long run, we, we really like, we really see this, um, these companies as successful in the long run. Therefore, we wanted to take the slow regulated way in instead of the quick, you know, like, let's just build something, put it on chain uh, way. So this has had a, a tremendous impact on um, on Quantstamp's business because we now have customers directly asking for insurance, you know, and, and when they ask for insurance, we say, okay, we can only insure you if you get an audit from Quantstamp and 
this audit proves to be good, right? Because this is something I feel like is one of the biggest misconceptions in the web free space from a security perspective. The misconception that if you have an audit, it means that you're secure, right? It doesn't mean that because, because there's no regulator in the space to force a project to fix the issues that were found during an audit. You know, like there is no such thing as passing an audit because an auditor is not a regulated entity. It's not a regulator. There's no regulator, right? Like what, how can we talk about passing an audit? Projects just buy an audit. They buy it, right? Yeah. They get a report and that's it, right? Um, I feel like the, the word audit is, is misinterpreted here because it's actually just a security assessment, right? We use audit because, you know, it has to do with financial stuff. So it sounds, you know, it's, but it's not really an audit, you know, because no one is, is regulated here. <laughs> not, well, neither the, the project how many nor projects, the auditor, right? How many projects just like keep changing the code after they get the audit as well? So they can say, hey, we were audited, exactly. but that's this one yeah. point in time. And then, mm. you know, almost immediately yes. they can change something that could introduce a vulnerability. Right. Right, right. That's a very good point, right? So, so because of that, you know, like, um, we definitely urge anyone who's depositing, deploying funds in any project, please do check, you know, on our audit report and, and many others, they have the commit hash, which, which was audited. Of course, the tricky thing is how to check that, you know, it's not straightforward. You don't just click a button and you see, oh, this matches the code, which is on chain. So, of course, you know, yeah, there still needs to be tooling developed in that direction. Um, and, yeah, I guess, like, another thing which is very important is that if you look at audit reports, not all the issues are fixed, you know, most yeah. of the time. So, you look at an audit report and, and, you know, we've had situations where we found 20, 30 issues, right? And I think there was at some point during DeFi summer when everyone was in a rush to deploy, there was someone who said like, we don't care. We acknowledge everything. We just want to launch tomorrow, you know? Yeah. So they just launched, acknowledged everything, said, hey, we I have an order. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like many people, many people deployed. So they got a, a huge TVL in the end, right? Mm. Um, I don't even want to think like what happened uh, afterwards, you know, like I don't, I don't recall which that project was exactly or if they did something or didn't, but uh, mm. definitely those kind of things, they don't go well um, in the end, right? So I think that what we're doing with insurance right now is we're able to play a bit of the, you know, of the play a bit of hardball in the sense that we say, we won't insure you unless we really feel like your project is secure, right? So, you know, this comes a bit of a, to, um, as a bit of a shock to some projects when we talk to them. They're like, oh, so we could pay for an audit. And in the end, you would say like, oh, you know, you're too risky to insure. You know, that's, of mm -hmm. course, a big, a big if, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we really want to work with projects that are very serious, that have very mature development teams, you know, like yours. Uh, actually, today is the day when we're uh, the day when this is recorded is the day when we're publishing the the blog post about our partnership as well. Mm -hmm. So we wrote this this blog post about how much 
effort you guys put into you know securing your platform mm. and um you know there's not a lot of projects out there that that you know do as much effort as you guys Ooh, that's music to my ears i can't wait to to hear more about it and you know that's something yeah. that you know it's always been so important to us like you know we don't want to be custodians of funds and so we you know we like to say we're non-custodial but at the same time we are the builders of the smart contracts that hold the funds and so in some way you are still responsible and and you are still um you know you need to take it very seriously um and so that's why you know we have gotten other audits in the past not just from quant stamp um, but I think a lot of times those felt very much like isolated, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, you know, kind of a one and done. Thanks for the audit. You can kind of post that on your website and, you know, show it as this badge of honor. But it, it kind of ends there. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, we felt very much like we've been able to align our incentives with you guys. And, you know, it's almost like we have like someone has our back and someone cares about it into the future, not just this one-off project. And, um, you know, I was on a, a live stream about like the, an introduction to smart contracts and with a lot of people who are in this space, who've been in this space a long time. And I started telling them about what we've been doing with you guys and that it's not just this one-off. It's like, okay, we've made another change. Hey, can you guys check this out? Um, you know, that's part of our terms and in our insurance policy. Another thing that was in our insurance policy requirement from you guys was to, you know, put up our bug bounties. We use Immunify. I think that's another way to align incentives in this space. You know, you're trying to attract the right types of people to find your <laughs> vulnerabilities and bugs uh, rather than, you know, the wrong person that's just going to take it all. And so I think that you know, as an ecosystem, especially in the crypto and digital asset space, like if we align incentives in the the right way, you know, we're able to, yeah, have each other's back a little bit more, be a community that cares about security and, and puts that first. Um, so the process has been, well, I don't want to say easy, but <laughs> easy enough. Um, so that's been great. So thank you for that. And would you kind of maybe just give us a glimpse more into, you know, we're one of your clients. How many other clients do you have? Like, how, how are you seeing this um, scale right now? Um, so we're seeing a lot of interest in this. Uh, we have a lot of customers in the pipeline, actually. And it's a... a um, it's a pretty lengthy sales cycle because of all of the uh, security that needs to be put in place before we can actually give them a, um, a policy, right? So I would say at the moment we're seeing, you know, around half a dozen really good candidates. Of course, we get, you know, like every day we get um, people asking us either via our website, Telegram, you know, all sorts of communication messages asking us about getting insurance for some smart contract, right? Either that they're building or that they're using. Mm -hmm. right? But of course, like, you know, like without going the extra mile of, of adding all of those security um, countermeasure or measures in place, we can't, you know, we can't help them. Right. Um, yeah. And, and there's of course also like, uh, the fact that since we're regulated, we can't just go off insuring entities all over the world, right? We need to stick to to jurisdictions where, you know, we are able to issue licenses. So that's also another roadblock of, you know, being regulated. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, where we are working and, and talking to, you know, fronting companies and, and um, that kind of stuff to help us expand where we can um, offer coverage. But yeah, and you I, mentioned I earlier you that like, also, oh, T, you mentioned that TVL number in, in DeFi and I just looked at DeFi Llama, it says, you know, 41.75 billion, you know, TVL right now. Like how much do you think is insur- insured of that amount? If you had to take a stab at it or, or percentage. 0.5, I think, right? Yeah. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Sebastian, I mean, you know, on a couple of those final pieces that you said and Danielle's question, how do you think about, particularly as a regulated business, how do you think about your own distribution? You know, are you looking at embedded solutions? Are you, you know, is it more traditionally driven? It sounds like you've got an influx of demand that that's not too much of a an issue. How do you see that uh, growing and you know, we're excited with DeFi about embedded insurance. It's not something we focus on, but uh, we, we see people yeah. becoming a larger topic. Um, you know, do you see the regulated piece as a, you know, a restriction to that kind of distribution, but it opens you up to larger uh, business? How do you think about that? It is a bit of a restriction, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but um, I feel like, so, so what we do is that we have very bespoke policies for, for customers, right? So um, with embedded insurance, I feel like you need to have it very, you know, like one click sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You don't negotiate too much regarding the terms, regarding what's covered, what's excluded, and a bunch of other parameters, right, that we negotiated. So I feel like there's a there's a um, definitely a big market for embedded uh, coverage insurance. We are building something which we're going to launch in September in that direction from Quantstam. But um, yeah, that's pretty exciting. But I feel like when you're offering this kind of very bespoke policy, you can be very flexible in terms of pricing. You know, and and. I feel like the biggest barrier right now and what we're seeing in insurance in this space is that everyone wants to buy it. But when people hear about what the price tag would be for their, you know, wish list, mm. they're like, oh my God, you know, that's that's a lot, right? So what we're able to do with like our approach is to cater to their needs, you know, take some stuff off, adjust some parameters such that we reach a premium that is attractive for them and makes sense. And that's what we're doing with most of our customers, you know, like they, <laughs> they come to us, maybe they have a, a, an insurance policy offering from a big company that covers some part of what they need. Uh, and it's, you know, cast in stone, you know, making a change to that policy would probably take years, you know, and for us, you know, we, we're a very lean organization, so we can make, um, those kind of parameter adjustments really easily. And that's, I feel like what our customers, like what our business customers really love. Yeah. Uh, got you. No, it's uh, it's great. I mean, it, you know, that 0.5% figure uh, really gives an indication of the upside, but it also gives an indication of the challenges because it's, you know, far lower than it should be at this stage. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you feel the same when we started Names, which was four years ago, 
um, the market in terms of insurance felt very different. It felt much more nascent and the level of education felt uh, much, much lower. Uh, the amount of activity going on at the moment is um, just day and night uh, different um, and expansive and grows every day. But that 0.5% figure isn't a whole bunch higher than uh, than it was. So it'd be interesting uh, to see how much what is being built at the moment is really poising us for for that figure to go up. And it's not just you know the the percentage of uh, insurance protection on DeFi uh, assets. Um, but, uh, you know, as you know, there's, uh, all sorts of other business lines in this space that, uh, can, can see more and more protection. So we're very excited to see how you guys develop there. Um, you know, as you know, we're uh, called the missing link. Um, you know, we see this podcast as a, uh, important exploration of what, um, you know, what, what solutions, um, are perhaps not provided to the digital asset space and that if they were, uh, it would, you know, bring a huge amount more, uh, adoption, uh, security trust to, uh, the space, which is inherently about security and trust. Um, and so we'd love to extend the question to you. What do you see as a missing link? It doesn't have to be insurance or uh, the constant chain proof solution, although I can probably take that for you that we see what you guys are doing <laughs> as a missing link. Uh, what what would you see as uh, another missing link in the space? Uh, you know, I'm going to say something which not many people agree to. Perfect. But I think in order to have mainstream adoption we need a lot more clarity from regulators you know regulators need to put in the laws that are going to regulate this space such that insurance is made you know like you know this this mandatory car insurance there should be some mandatory you know DeFi insurance maybe there should be you know the regulators should come in maybe and say if you get an audit you need to fix the issues that are found during the audit. Otherwise you're launching, you know, like a ticking time bomb, you know, that is going to lead to a lot of losses for many people potentially. So I feel like there should be someone in, you know, this is not going to be a central jurisdiction. It's going to be different in different jurisdictions. I really like what is happening in the EU. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, regulation being passed in, in a good direction, you know, and uh, it's already talking about mandatory audits for projects that launch. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I think, the thing that needs to happen in all over the world in order for mainstream adoption to be a thing. Because once that happens, you know, there's no more fear. I feel like right now when I'm talking to people, I tell them I work in crypto, they fear crypto because it's unregulated and they feel like, oh, if I'm going to put my funds in there, they might just go away the next day because some, there's some ban on crypto, mm. you know, in whatever jurisdiction they are. So, you know, if you get clarity, there's no longer this fear. It becomes a real, you know, like legit asset class um, and, and, you know, businesses can thrive. So I think that's sort of the biggest missing link, of course, with the user experience, you know, user <laughs> experience is definitely something important. I feel like now with account extra uh, abstraction, you know, things are going in a great direction mm. with the rollups, everything's becoming faster, easier to use. You know, you don't need to use your cumbersome wallet to do stuff. Sometimes, you know, you can just 
you know, we don't even know that the blockchain is behind it, you know? Right, right, right. It sounds like in the, you know, in the world of this long chain, there are a few missing links, uh, which you've touched on there. So yeah, I really appreciate your, yeah. your experience and your expertise, as we mentioned at the beginning, it's, uh, it's great to have you, uh, you know, in, in the charge. Uh, and companies like Quantstamp and, and Chainproof putting these things forwards. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for the work that you've done with us uh, and for the discussion today. We've uh, we've really enjoyed it. Me too. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan and Danielle. Yeah, thank you. you. See you soon. We're one step closer to finding the missing link. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, and be sure to come back next month. Until then, we are the missing link.